welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me this week to recap a, a quite shit 2-2 draw. For the last game, we'll, the Hounds will ever play against Sugar Free. I got uh, two swell gentlemen. First off, Vesti. Vesti, you're at the, the game with uh, with both kids. Is that the first time both kids were at, the, at a Hounds game? Yeah, so, um, you know, without spoiling later discussions, we looked at the schedule and was thinking what game to go to. I'm like, oh, Red Bull 2, don't care about them. Should be a good result, you know. In fact, I missed some of the game because some paying attention to the kids, so be it. So, yeah, we, uh, I've taken Arlo before to a couple games, and this was Claire's first time since she's, uh, you know, only two. And, um, yeah, the, the whole family outing got to experience the game as a family instead of just a in slightly inebriated supporter. And, um, it, it was good. Um, I will say that. Uh, just real quick, I am surprised to say, as a family guy now, I do miss that uh, little turf field they used to have behind our section because we got there a little earlier than we planned on, and there is just like absolutely nothing for like a four and under kid to do, other than just kind of stare at people warming up, I guess. Um, so having that little running area would have been nice, but uh, other than that, very uh, very quality evening down there at Highmark. Would you uh, would you take the the kids play kick round area in exchange for fifteen hundred seats? <laughs> um, I mean, since I only take the kids maybe once once a year, I will take those fifteen hundred seats for all the other times I go. Fair enough. Uh, also, join us. You know, I lo- know him. You you probably like him because he's a swell dude. It's a yak. What up, my yak? You know, yes, I was a little worried that I would miss the game during the week because I was a little sick midweek, and then I went, and the hounds made me sick anyway, so I wish I didn't go. You wish you were sick for a different reason. Sick to my stomach after a very depressing, very sad tie. I can't remember the last time this team played a, a, a took a draw that legitimately felt like a loss. Every time I think about this game for the past three days or so, I have to remind myself they actually did not lose that game. They got a point out of it. Because it was so disheartening that it it legitimately feels like a loss like I think of it as a loss. Not not like it feels like a loss, but I I know it, it was a draw. I have to remind myself it was a draw. That's how... That's how bad I felt um, after that game. Um, so let's just go right into it. Hounds 2, uh, New Jersey 2. Um, first two goals scored by the Hounds. Robbie Wirtz with a bit of a butte in the 21st minute. Mikael Williams in the 42nd, mar- in the 42nd minute. Uh, that lasted only two whole minutes before Murphy uh, scored in the 44th, right before the half. And then 11 minutes after the half, after the interval, um, they grab their second and on a bit of a breakaway. And the Hounds, with all the pressure they put on in the last 30 minutes, quit find third. And 2-2 is the final score. Guys, 
like we do most weeks, well, let's start with the lineup because there is, a, to me, a good amount to go through on this uh, with the rotation that happened. First name at the top of it when you start going back to front, Silva uh, gets his first start in quite some time uh, with Jamali Waite on the bench. Some other guys you would think of being part of the rota- uh, rotation, Biasi getting into the game, Kelly getting a start over Dequa. Um, to a certain degree, Williams is kind of a rotation piece because he's not a consistent starter. Um, and then outside that, on the 18, there was a, there was not a Nathan Dos Santos, which was the other big eyeball-raising part of, uh, of the lineup that came out about 45 minutes before the game start. Festy, go with you first. Uh, you're a family man. You're there. You got the, the kids in the bleachers early. You got some time to inspect the, the starting lineup. What were your thoughts? Uh, before I, I guess, question back out yet, did we know that DeSantos was injured when that lineup came out? No. Yes. We did? Oh. <laughs> uh, let me, like, let me was... phrase I did not know. There was rumblings, and there was a pot, and he was listed as questionable in uh, John Krasinski's report during the week. Oh. Okay, so I didn't know, but I was looking at his shoes spreadsheet, and he had him marked as injured. So it's just good to know, and explains why he, you know, didn't make the the lineup. Now to jump um, ahead, I'll, I'll during the handshake line after. Um, I know a couple people slipped in the question of "Are you okay?" and he. Uh, to the couple people I talked to, uh, made it sound like this was a, a very minor thing. So hopefully, not a an extended time away from uh, from the field. But go on. Knock on wood, we've been actually pretty fortunate this year compared to some of those injury plague seasons in the past where nobody's had anything major. Um, but you know, just just uttering that out loud, I just doomed the team. Um, I, I mean. I don't really have a, a, a specific opinion on the lineup. I think that the rotation is potentially a scapegoat for this game. Um, but like, if you're going to rotate the team and get guys minutes, what better on paper than the, a two team that's at the bottom of the table? Like, it, it shouldn't. I don't think the rotation is the issue. Like, I, I don't. It shouldn't have been the issue. So, like, I don't have a problem with the lineup or anything like that. Yak. Uh, Silva gets a start. Is, In your opinion, was this normal rotation or was this a response to Jemai Wade's performance the week before? No, definitely not. This is, this is just rotation that I think Silva needed to have gotten at some point, just get another game under his belt, and this seemed like a fairly safe game to do so. Um, I had no beef with it. I think it backfired a little bit. I don't think Silva played well. Um, similar with Biasi, normally not a starter. Didn't have a problem with it when I saw him in the lineup, especially when I saw Dos Santos out of the 18. Um, again, backfired a little bit. I don't think he played well either. But it made sense to me. Like Those are the only other two dudes who aren't typically in the starting 11, except for Kelly, who kind of platoons and... I don't even have a second glance at that. Like, okay, Dane Kelly starts, starts like big whoop. Like he starts almost half the games that checks out. I don't think we wouldn't have bitched if we would have won. Like we rotated a lot in the indie game a couple weeks ago and 
nobody complained because we won two nothing and it was a fairly easy trip to Indy. This two rotation players would not have normally drawn eyebrows against this game except for the fact that we end up drawing at the end. Yeah, I'm I'm in two minds on this. Did did the rotation cause this game to become a draw? No, it it didn't for sure. I if it's rotation for rotation's sake, and maybe this is just me spitballing and you both you can tell me I'm an idiot for saying this. Would especially with these this four game stretch being against the bottom four teams in the East, would there be would it be gauche to maybe rotate one guy per game to get that rotation so they're getting the minutes without doing all the rotation in a single match? And that keeps more continuity between the guys who are your starters going into the, the final stretch and then the playoffs? Um, or is that just a dumb idea? I think we have more capable players to to crack the 11 every so often than just one player per game. Um, I think that there are, there were hints of miscommunication in the back line, especially in the left side, I thought. So that does have merit. But against these teams, they're losing. They, they're all going to finish with like 20 losses out of this season. You know, I, I think this team was good enough to justify having two and a half rotation players. Yeah, and, and I, I, I think we'll see more rotation next week, too. I don't think he's going to revert, like, go, oh, shit, and then revert back to the, the usual. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see another one or two guys. Um, maybe Toby Sims makes an appearance again. He's been making some more in the second half of the season. I'm actually surprised he wasn't uh, anywhere to be seen this weekend. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, and, and, and yeah, I kind of alluded to it, I I don't think it was the personnel that was the problem. I think it was more tactics and specifically the, the three-person back line just did not work out at all. And I'll take that and lead it into what was going to be my next question, and, and Vessi, you can take the first crack at it. Is the bigger story coming out of this game the Hounds putting two in and then failing to connect on on good opportunities in the final 30 minutes? Or is the bigger story the Hounds uh, dropping two points after being up two goals? From what we traditionally know about a Lily team, giving up two goals unanswered, I, I think it's the, the bigger story because we're used to them locking it down with that kind of lead or any lead really. Um, but I, I think uh, it, both not being able to, to get more goals in the second half and the breaks down as it led to their goals has just been kind of the story of the season, to be honest. So I don't know if it's really that much of a shocker that it happened again. It, it was the same stuff that was happening during that, that bad run in the middle of the season. Um, for whatever reason, we get cinder blocks for feet inside the box some games and just can't figure out how to hit the ball right to get it in the net. And our defense gets burns on the counter. It happens so many times this year. It's just a fact of life. And well, that's not just this year. That's that's an it's ongoing. It's more prevalent this year. 
I go back to the first half of last year. How many times, how many breakaways did uh, Vidiello have to stop in those first 10 games? Fair. And maybe if we had Vidiello, you know, I don't know. Like, Silver plays as aggressive as Vidiello does, but I guess maybe he just doesn't have the the final bit of composure to actually stop him. But then that kind of goes back to, like, you know, the tactics failed us of, uh, of our three-person back line and then them playing so high that they get caught out on a counter and freaking Forbes has to sprint box to box to cover cover it because our defenders are slow as hell and can't get back. I'd like yeah. to talk about that for a little bit. Um, Forbes had been moving up and up as the season progressed. I think because I think because Bob liked the threats that he posed up there, but also Forbes is getting older. He's getting slower. I think they wanted to rely on him less defensively but then the mindset changed when Mertz came in and that's like definitely Mertz's spot is that more attacking midfield role and so Forbes came back so for so Forbes was like the second defender back on that breakaway on the game tying goal and he's not the greatest defender we have out there he, he kind of got beat on this this two on three three on three whatever it panned out to be and I think that's one of the weaknesses that we are assuming for ourselves now that we're putting Mertz up in that role that he took. Is this because I I've I don't know how I want to say this, but this team has nine games left, and we've seen now for a couple times opposing teams. Uh, hitting on the counter and finding some success. Any fear for either of you that uh, the blueprint on how to score against the Hounds is, is now out there, um, uh, free for all to see, or uh, it's not not that um, that not that big of a systematic problem to worry about going into the uh, into the playoff run. I don't want to like resign myself to like um, defeat or risk here, but I think that's just the way it's going to have to be this season um, and hope that it works out and hope that they execute better. The, the, the lineup, they keep running out the three-man defense because they love the dynamicism of the wingbacks coming up, uh, especially Dixon on the right, but definitely Dos Santos and Rivera and... Uh, Biasi and whoever else comes on the left. They love pushing everybody up, and it makes the offense like this spectacle, but then these counterattacks happen, and we don't get cooked for it on every game, do we? But we did this past game. Um, I think exec- I think they design it so that they assume it's going to happen, and they, they depend on the defense to respond and execute better than they did this game. I think that's just the weakness that teams are going to look at the most often. And the Hounds are okay with that, usually. This week it burned us very badly. Because I think back to the the Miami games, and that was what Miami, that's how they, they got us last year. Obviously a change in head coach, but they still had a lot of the same pieces. That was speed, hit them on the counter, get the ball over the top, and... and and start burying the back line, and the Hounds properly 
accounted for it and didn't let that be uh, how Miami was going to win those games. And, and for a team that scared me going into the season, uh, Miami was neutralized. So I feel like there's a, a way for the Hounds to work around it when you know that's that's how that team is going to play. But when you have these situations where teams break out the counter somewhat against how they normally play, uh, the Hounds are getting burned on it. So is it a, a lack of... Unless they game plan for it, it doesn't work out well, or personnel? I mean, now I'm just kind of grasping at straws, but uh, Vesti, is, uh, do you see this as a, an issue going into the into the postseason? I yeah, I, I think it could be. I I I just I feel like we we built a back line that is kind of more to me a more traditional like four o'clock across like you know big guys that they keep their shape pretty well. Um, just but they're I I I feel like they're just not quick enough to to react um, or or to move. Uh, to be able to to handle a counter um, when when they get just three of them back there, um, I, you know, I I I feel like there's a disconnect between the personnel we have in the back and the and the tactics that we're trying to do, and not that I think the tactics are like wrong. Like, you know, I, the, Lily loves to wing back. He's done that since he's been here, and it works. It's just something just doesn't doesn't click, and um, you know. We we has been off the side of the, a bit, and but I, I I keep seeing him be pushed up, like he's being a wing back with a three person back, like they're just kind of like shifting or rotating the, the entire formation, and he's just he's just not get he can't get back on a counter like that, and and then so then you just you're down two guys, and then in the case of the tying goal, you know, Bialtzi uh, fell down, and we're down to one guy, and, and somebody has to make a run, um, in the the, their first goal, and even right before that as well, you know, we had the three person back, and they were shifting and keeping a, a good, good line and good formation. But there was, uh, in both instances, somebody got free. Like there wasn't a, that fourth person to mark uh, one of their attackers, and um, yeah, everybody was marked except for that person. It just, it just feels like, I don't know. It just feels like the the person that we have are built for a different style of defense than we're trying to play, and then it, it bites us. Um, more more so than the years past. So I'll I, we'll end it on on this question. Um, Dos Santos kind of insinuated that the injury was was not a big deal. Um, if it is something that's going to keep him out, let's let's recklessly say a month. Uh, big deal, little deal, no deal. Vesti. Uh, tricky, I huh? Wanna... Tricky, huh? <laughs> you, want, you want me to answer while you think? I'm not probably not going to have a good answer, but yeah, you can go first. Uh, no deal. Um, put, Revere, put Revere on the outside. That's a position he's relatively comfortable in, and uh, 
stick the other Kelly and Ibarra in the middle uh, if you need to give time, minutes to other people uh, since uh, you took since I'm moving Revere out of the middle of the midfield. Um, I, I don't think it would be that big of an issue. While Fessy's um, giving his answer, I was going to um, – I was thinking about bringing up the how unfortunate or mistimed it is that, that Robbie Dambrot was was sent on his way. Uh, <laughs> but if you uh, if you look at the highlights from this past weekend, the second goal Indy gave up, ooh, does he – he does not look very good. Did not cover himself in glory in that moment. So maybe not for the worst. At least, I mean, with a sample size of one, but – uh, in his defense, uh, Indy does not often cover themselves in glory recently. Not so. in the last couple of years, I haven't. <laughs> Festy, what do you got? Big deal, little deal, no deal. Honestly, I'm I'm just going to go with what Yak said because I and I was sitting here trying to figure out if it was a big deal or not. I've been staring at Rivera's face on the FootMob app and, uh, <laughs> and trying to decide, uh, you know, if if he could slot in. And um, yeah, I'm just going to go with what Yak said. I think it's probably not a big deal. All right, I would love to have him, but I, I think we got the personnel to fill in. Let's move on to uh, the table as it stands. Not with the uh, the Wednesday games currently taking place. Uh, the Hounds find themselves in fifth on 44 points. 25 games played, nine left to go. That puts them uh, three points behind Birmingham, but they do have a, a game in hand over Birmingham, and there still is that... Uh, that match where Birmingham will be coming to Pittsburgh, and that is looking bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, Miami is now only four points behind them. Uh, Pounds still have a game in hand over Miami. And then Detroit is now five points back uh, in seventh place, and they also have nine games left to play. And then it's a big drop to uh, – there's a playoff line between Detroit and Tulsa. Um, so really no fear of – of the Hounds dropping out of the top seven, uh, that'd be a, a collapse of amazing uh, proportions, plus Tulsa just getting uh, hot as hot can be. Now, now there are nine games left, and it's probably good to go over this because this has changed since last year, and Mongols put out a little misinformation, and that is about the Uh-oh. what are the tiebreakers this, this, uh, this season because they have changed. So let's go through it. The first tiebreaker is uh, head-to-head. That is brand new. That's new. That right? is that is new. So, uh, looking at Birmingham, uh, right now they've played once and the Hounds won that game. So the worst they can do is is make that first tiebreaker a wash if Birmingham were to win. Uh, they have the head-to-head over uh, Miami. So for some reason uh, they're tied on points. Pittsburgh will have the. Uh, the advantage over Miami, um, and Detroit was a watch. And if we, we'll worry about first, second, third uh, as the Hounds hopefully climb the table. So uh, they can, they will have the advantage over Miami in the tiebreaker, and at worst, the tiebreaker, the first tiebreaker is a wash with Birmingham. Uh, then it becomes goal differential into head-to-head games. Again, not a problem with Miami. Uh, Birmingham would be two TBD um, on that. Again, this is, these are a change from last year. And then third, and I have not done the math on this yet, is points per game versus in-conference opponents. So 
what you've done in the east. So you would basically take out your uh, your west results. And then it goes uh, total wins, which was the, the first tiebreaker in previous years. Gold differential in regular season league games. Again, now basically you get down to, to the fourth tiebreaker, which used to be the, the first tiebreaker in previous years. So keep that in mind as we traverse these final nine games of the season. That makes it such a pain in the ass because I can't just look at the standings on my phone and be like, okay, I can see we would own the tiebreaker or we would not own the tiebreaker here. I got to go do math if it gets after like the first one. But it, it, it is irritating. But with that said, you, you know automatically that the Hounds are going to be better than Miami no matter what. That's not changing. Correct. And right now they can do no worse than uh, even on the head-to-head. Again, uh, Birmingham would have to win to even bring that uh, goal differential into play. So uh, a draw or a Hounds win will put the tiebreaker uh, in Pittsburgh's advantage that way. So on one hand, it feels not it feels not footballish to to go head-to-head as the first tiebreaker. On the other hand, unless those teams are playing in the last two weeks of the season, you know going into it where you're going to fall in relationship to that other team. But it does take some of that last day drama of teams moving up and down with like as every go- every goal is scored, they're you know goal differential hopping teams up and down. So, but want to get that out there because everyone I've heard from a couple different places. I I poke fun at Mongols, but I've heard from a couple different places. People are thinking. Of the old uh, tiebreakers, but um, that uh, that is old information. Uh, with that said, let's also take a quick look at the teams around us, who they're playing this weekend, just so you have an idea of where everyone is at. Uh, tonight, that Wednesday game, not much to be concerned of. Uh, Hounds-wise, it's Hartford and Tulsa. Again, both teams are below the playoff line. Uh, at the moment, uh, Hartford is actually beating Tulsa. So if there, if Tulsa had any hope and a prayer of, of climbing up above the, uh, the playoff line, losing at home to Hartford is not going to help them. Uh, if I my math is correct, uh, if Tulsa loses tonight, that would put the, the Hounds' uh, kind of magic number of, of points would drop at the 13. Uh, with nine games to go. More importantly, let's take a quick look at uh, Saturday and the, the games you're going to want to keep an eye out for. Obviously, it is the Hounds at Hotlanta at 7.30, not 7 o'clock. Keep that in mind. There's an extra half hour you're going to have to wait. Then beyond that, uh, Miami hosting Louisville. Uh, Detroit at Charleston. And why am I missing the other one? And then Birmingham is on Sunday hosting none other than New Jersey. So might be a, a week where the Hounds have to really uh, take things into their own into their own hands. They may not get a lot of help. May not be a, a good week for for Mailhouse to make an appearance. Guys, any thought on that slate of games? Vesti? Uh, not in the games in particular. 
um, just general thoughts on the standing. I, I'm pretty confident the top seven's locked in. Tulsa keep shit in the bed when they need to not. So I think it's just a matter of really shaking out the order at this point. Still confident that the Hounds can get a top four? No. Uh, I would not be surprised if we stay where we are, to be honest. So you think um, odds are uh, the Hounds are on the road for the first week of the playoffs? Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, do you agree with that? Um, I'd say it's more likely than not. But I'm not I'm not convinced it's dead. I'm not totally being Still have We here. have a home game against a team right think, above us. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's at Birmingham. No. Oh, it's right. It is it? Bur- oh, fuck me. I'm an idiot. Uh, the only thought I have looking at this week's games, because uh, they're not particularly looking great, is I wish we could say, hey, Louisville is beginning a stretch of like uh, schedule congestion. They have five games in 15 days, whatever it is, but I don't think we're ever going to even sniff Louisville this year, so never mind. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even looking at first, second, third at this point. It's, I'm, I'm topping this out at fourth place. I think Memphis could fall close to us. They're 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 much less hot than everybody else, even though they did just beat us. Fair enough. Uh, again, we'll have this discussion every week, basically until that that Birmingham game uh, in a few weeks, and then the, the playoff picture will be a lot more clear. Uh, gentlemen, uh, I I took a moment to to playfully. Uh, slap mongols but now it's time to lift them back up they just did a nice interview with uh the new hounds president jeff garner uh they that just got wrapped up an hour and a half or so ago they broadcast it live i unfortunately was uh out and about uh, unable to listen to it so i have not heard anything i've heard some quick reactions uh online but i have not heard any details or any any juicy tidbits from the interview so, gentlemen, I will. I'm going to turn it over to you two to uh, give your thoughts or things you're excited about, things you are concerned about hearing from them. Uh, yeah, you want to get us going? What um, What are your takeaways from the the Garner interview? Uh, well, he's definitely very. He addresses a lot of things in this interview, and I would highly, highly encourage anybody to go watch it when it goes up on Spotify and YouTube tomorrow or whenever it does. Um, Seems like an interesting character. Um, he has experience in the league, which is cool. He's from Pittsburgh. He's he jokingly said that like his wife would kill him if he leaves Pittsburgh again after flying, uh, moving from Orange County out in California. So it seems like he's here to stay. He addresses that. He addresses like uh, our complaints about like the Hounds front office seeming to be a very frequent cast of rotating people and says he thinks he's going to be the one to change that because he wants to be here for a while, which is nice to hear. Um, he had thoughts about his hopes for the academy and players that could come out from it. He had thoughts about promotions and Highmark Stadium improvements, and which one would you like to address first? Uh, uh, well, I think if I interpreted what what Vesti had to say was there talk about a roof or Vesti? You want because that's your baby. You want to go? Is that a thing potentially? Yeah, one of the many things I like the soapbox about uh, is getting a roof at Highmark. 
the Mongols team put out a they've been, you know all about the Twitter polls lately. So they put out a Twitter poll about stadium improvements, and um, it was like it was a roof, other something, something. It's not really that important what the other options were, but the the shocking thing was that he said that they've had discussions about everything that was listed on that poll, including a roof, um, which that's the first time I ever heard a team actually say or entertain the idea of a roof. It's always been some, you know, crackpot idea that we've had. Um, so, yeah, they apparently have had serious discussions about putting a roof over the grandstands. Um, this would be multi-year thing. It's not like next year, probably like two, three, four years away. They also have had serious discussion about, you know, expansion of the stadium, basically, but basically what we expect it to be like a horseshoe, um, you know, facing out to the water, connecting the corners and things like that. I would expect that if they are going to do a roof, it's probably going to come with stadium expansion. I, I feel like they're probably a package deal. So, um, you know, if the attendance that we're seeing this year continues, uh, maybe, you know, maybe we'll have a, 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 a roof actually happen. He didn't make it clear that any of the, these two things would have to be both a couple years away and we would still need to be drawing. Like we have the last month or so, but like maybe for the whole season. He used the phrase consistently selling out. Um, we'd have to see like the last four games, all of these Saturday nice days have averaged around 4,800 people. Probably need to get that for close to the whole season for that to be an honest to goodness conversation with Tuffy, I think. By the sounds of it, yeah. Uh, he there, there will not be forty eight hundred people for this next Wednesday game. Unlikely. <laughs> I mean, if there is, then holy shit. But yeah. uh, he also acknowledged Pistrano's section. He's he, he's heard that loud and clear. Um, and then one interesting thing he he kind of just offhandedly mentioned, which I never really thought about before, but apparently when the team the land that the team owns includes the road behind the stadium. And I can't imagine that they would piss Station Square off by actually like closing that road to expand into it. But that's a fun idea to think about. They they own that part of Station Square Drive. I missed that part. He said they he he he's mentioned they own the road, and so I went on the the county real estate look up to look at the parcel, and it it owns the road. It, it covers that road. Look at you, Zesty. I feel like there's probably easements and stuff, and again, I don't. I feel like Station Square would raise hell if they tried to close that road. But it's a uh, it's a fun thing to think about if they just say fuck everybody and just close that and then expand out that way and maybe you know add a second layer or second level to the main grandstand. Could they? Can they? Um, somehow just add to it and and go over the road. Theoretically, you could. I mean, I'm sure that they're the amount of support that'd be needed to, to make expansion like that. But yeah, the stands go over top of the road. Um, I'm just thinking back to the, what uh, Toronto did those years ago where they, they on the behind the one goal, they, they went up basically with a, a massive um, scaffolding, like scaffolding, out the ass and turned in additional seating for um I forget what what games were going on but um but it coincided with with a playoff run 
Uh, yeah, they're like they're planning on doing that for the World Cup too. Uh, in 2026, they they put renders out the other week. Uh, uh, just yeah, big mess of bleacher seats. <laughs> yeah, imagine if you, if they just they went like semi permit scaffolding to expand up, and somehow yeah. made it so you could still go, uh, you could still drive over that road. Yeah, I mean, um, it'd be. What if what it, if it they what if they added to it? They added to seating, but the seating was not actually physically connected to the rest of the stadium. <laughs> It like uh, it's uh, Wrigley Field. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's the, the seats <laughs> across the street at, at Wrigley. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you know it's probably considered a private drive, so it's not like a state road or a county road or anything. So if they do it on the land and they can throw some beams around it, I guess anything's possible to make a tunnel. Um, it definitely make it interesting. But did, yeah, did he dress pisser under the stands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He acknowledged he's heard heard it. Uh, he did not make any commitments to it. Sorry, acknowledgement is the first key. Uh, the other big improvement that he mentioned at Highmark was uh, expanding or adding in another merchandise store. He did not say that they were going to like make construction to expand the one they're at. It would be more so of putting another location within the stadium, which I thought was useful because... At this point, that is a large closet, and we have more people trying to get in the store than fit. Yeah, I, I think his comment about not want no no construction projects to expand it is also kind of illuminating that they don't intend to do anything with that building in general um, to to make it bigger. So, you know, any sort of at least in the immediate future stadium expansion not going to be on that end. Or at least not like not making that building bigger or pushing it back or anything like that. Yeah. Is there anything? Uh, okay, sorry, sorry. Go on. The big, the big hint that he may or may not have laid out uh, for this upcoming Saturday home game: the return of dollar beers? Question mark. Uh, for a, for a one time only promotion. Yeah, I heard. I, someone tipped me off on that uh, this past weekend. So, yeah. It sounds like our beers are going to be a thing for the legal game. I'm still yeah. surprised. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a pandemic since uh, the Hounds did our beers. And we still get messages every, every so often. People asking, um, one, do they still exist? Or then, two, they assume they still exist. And just ask, what stand do you have to go to get them at? <laughs> I mean, it, for the the hounds could put out actual solid information about about the team and all this stuff. Dollar beers existed a few years ago, and it's still like the one thing people hold on to. It's amazing what sticks in the brain. Marketing is great sometimes, man. Wasn't even well marketed. It just, I mean, that was on happen. every. It was on every commercial. It's what we talked about. It's what I mentioned when trying to get people. To yeah, the it was game word of mouth. Time. And that that shit carried. It wasn't even like nobody cared when it was like not even a a full draft of like sixteen ounce beer. It was like these slightly larger sippy cup things. Still, man, people just were drawn to dollar beer. It's amazing, amazing, uh, amazing. 
probably a way to encourage that the stadium be like full by the time kickoff happens against Louisville because that's definitely an issue I see is it takes a while for people to get inside the stadium. I noticed that this week as well because, I mean, when the game kicked off, I'm thinking, ooh, it's it's not very full. And then by the 20th minute, the place was packed. It was definitely there, a, slow, always, a slow arriving crowd. Yeah, there's, a, there's always a line coming in. Um, we were talking, Brittany and I were talking about it when we, when we were leaving because we had to leave early because of the kids and there were still people coming in. And, like, I, I wonder if, if if the casual fans think it's like a Pirates game or a Steeler game or something like that, where it's like a four- or five-hour event um, and don't realize, no, you got to get in because soccer goes fast, man. Um, so, yeah, they, they got to get people in earlier or at least get people in the idea of getting in earlier. I think that's a larger issue when we talk about Highmark Stadium's improvements coming forward it's not so much the sheer number of seats i want to see so quickly it's just the infrastructure of it all like getting into the gates is slow there's few concession stands few part a uh, few bathrooms um the 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 concourse underneath the grandstands is kind of narrow like these things highmark was built with like the capacity of a third less like 30 percent less of the crowd we're seeing it's tough to move around if you're showing up late or showing up fashionably on time. Yeah, there was a... I saw a comment on Twitter, either during or after the game, where somebody took a picture of the grandstands, and there was a comment about how it was marketed as, you know, a near sellout, but you could see all these empty seats in the grandstands. And, you know, most of us don't go anywhere during the game, but if you ever go into the concourse during the match, all of the concession stands are, like... 40 people deep in line it's just it's so slow to get anything done except for the one so beer like, stand that no one goes to it's beautiful yeah. it's not there anymore i don't think unless you're talking about a different one there's one the there's one uh yeah not the secret one that's gone r.i.p pour one out for them rest in peace yeah um no there's one underneath the grandstand uh it's just beer and i've never had to wait more than like three minutes so if you are if you're looking for beer alone if you if you're looking for just the beer and you're standing in a line that serves anything other than just beer, you're in the wrong line. It's it's next it's uh, next to the center concession stand behind the grandstand. Yes, it's towards and the it's middle. A, yeah, it's it's the green just the green Heineken carts. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, can, cans only, not drafts. You are in and out of there pretty efficiently. You are correct. Yes, that's that's the new play. That's the new secret. The the bar that's in the dead center of the the grandstand. That's the new secret bar. Speaking of a uh, secret bar, he did mention that they, you know, they're trying to think of ways to improve the experience and stuff, and are apparently kicking around ideas for where the secret bar used to be and the shipping containers are, which makes me think they want to get rid of those shipping containers and open that up. Although I don't know how much they can do over there really, since they need to have the ambulance. But maybe, maybe the secret bar will come back. Throw some pissers over there. Yeah, just just put a put a pipe down in the river. How, I, I always think of when you go to Grist House, they, how they just have uh, outside, they just have that collection of like eight Porta Johns, and then they have like the Porta John sink thing out front there. For anyone who's gone to Grist House, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, that would be an, an extremely uh, acceptable solution. They got to clean that up faster than they clean up the one Correct. station. Correct. That square, is the uh, airport. In the parking lot. Yes. 
So, yeah, but if it's in the stadium, it's it, locked up most of the time. So hopefully, it doesn't get too bad. Also true. Is there anything that he brought up that concerned either of you? Um, I would not say this is a concern, but I think Orange County had that big transfer of some dude to Europe for like a almost club changing amount of, of fee this past season. Um, he, he, he mentioned, he talked about the Academy and he wants to, has a plan to encourage people to stay in the Academy and not drop, uh, move to MLS uh, locations or something. And, play with the team, go to Mexico, go to MLS, go to Europe or whatever when they're professionals. But uh, he said the, uh, the relationship with the European teams that facilitated the big transfer fee that is like the USL record was more the GM that is there, some dude named Oliver and not him. Yeah, I thought it was interesting he was playing that down or, or needed. I felt the need to play that down because I'm sure a lot of us, you know, saw those transfers happen and saw him come here and like, Oh, he's going to do it all. Um, so yeah, he, he definitely tempered expectations with that. Um, but he, de- he was really big into the Academy and making, and, and making sure that pipeline or wanting to get that pipeline to be really solid. So if kids come to the Academy, stay with the Academy, go to the hounds, um, you know, kind of setting the, the groundwork for those type of transfers to happen. But, uh, but yeah, he he mentioned that the GM had all the connections and stuff, really, which we don't have a GM really, so I don't know how it's going to work for us. Yeah, we do. His name's Bob Lilly. He he said that we have connections, and and when he said that, I was like, what? Who? What? What connections? So I don't know. Maybe Lilly's got a Rolodex that we don't know about. He's been around long enough. Yeah. Somewhat relatedly, he did gush about Montour Junction. Like a that was going to be my next question. Mm-hmm. When the hell is it opening? Didn't say. Did, he didn't. Holy what did I hear about October? Oh, maybe did. October. Maybe missed it. Yeah. Remember before the season started, and they said how the team was going to use that uh, the start preseason. That's cute. Good times. Good times. Yeah. I the one interesting uh, anecdote about that was, and I'm glad that he's like detail oriented and paying attention to this. Is like. They're using Montour Junction a lot for youth stuff right now, and they have some Sunday leagues. And there's actually an article in a city paper last week about um, Cardiopolis becoming kind of a hotbed for um, Latin American immigrants um, and how they have like a, a Spanish Sunday league at Montour Junction and stuff. And uh, I'm sitting there reading an article, I'm like, wow, I sure hope the Hounds are, you know, reaching out to these guys that are playing at the facility. Um, and he, he talked about how they, actually kind of aren't doing a great job of that and that they they're hosting all these events but there's like no signage that says you are playing at a river hounds facility it's like so you know no no tie-in to be like hey you know you're at the river hounds thing come to the river hounds game and so they're they're he mentioned you know it's kind of a bit of a you know they need the thing to be done they're going to have more signs when it's actually done but he, he mentioned how they need to get some stuff now in the meantime and uh having somebody you know, actually think about that and, and be that detail oriented. Um, I thought was really positive and um, gave me a good impression of you know actually getting some stuff done to to get people to the stadium. Because those outdoor fields are used every night, every night. Mm-hmm. And it now you mentioned it's shocking that they don't have any. There's a sign by the front 
by the road when you pull in, like future home of. But there is no yep. real signage once you get into the fields themselves. Yep, exactly. That's, you wanted to that's, what, that's what I talked about. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, I'll ask the question. I, I think I know the answer. Um, does did this interview make you more or less optimistic about the direction this club's going? I'll assume it's more, but feel free to shock me otherwise. I'm convinced more and more this is like the right hire, like just sometimes the right guy for the job fits, just kind of makes himself available for some reason. I was already pretty optimistic, so it's not like I got more optimistic, but like, yeah, this was this was this was a good find from the Riverhounds. Yeah, I've been optimistic about some of their president hires before. Um, and but I, I he said the right things, you know, he. he He's paying attention, you know, mentioning Pister under the section and, and and other stuff that you know fans have talked about, um, and then his his commitment to actually sticking around and acknowledging that we've had quite the rotation, uh, so that that makes me pretty happy that and, and pretty confident he's going to be here for a while. We'll actually see some visions play out, and um, you know he he's definitely got the pedigree, so I think it's looking good. Nice. I uh, that's going to be on my on my listen uh list uh when i'm at work tomorrow so although i feel like i've probably listened to the interview pretty well uh in this conversation but uh i'll give it give the old listen tomorrow as everyone else should if you have not heard it yet uh it should be on all the places you find mongols uh your podcast feed of choice uh also on youtube uh but one of the other big news stories coming new big uh, in the, the spheres that we're writing in, uh, was an article in a Cleveland newspaper about MLS coming to visit Cleveland. Uh, but not for MLS. They want to throw, they're looking at Cleveland as a potential destination for uh, one of their Division Three MLS Next Pro teams. We talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago in terms of uh, the Irvine, California issue with. Uh, Lostos trying to get the stadium where Orange County plays, bring this conversation back around to uh, the new president. And then also uh, Huntsville, Alabama has also become a, a target for this potential turf war between MLS and USL. And now, I'm kind of ashamed, ashamed I didn't think about this, uh, Cleveland is now add, kind of being added to the uh, a new front on the soccer wars brewing between USL and MLS. Uh Vesti, what was your takeaway reading this story, and and uh, how concerned are you that all of a sudden the the one city we've been looking forward to having a USL team could have a a fucking next pro team instead? Yeah, so Cleveland, it they've been it's been a simmering rumor for years now. Like every once in a while, something pops up on a random website about some group looking to join. Uh, there is a USL two team there at the moment, so there's at least some league footprint. There's actually but two, I think. Maybe, yeah. I don't really pay uh, too much attention to the, to that level, but I, I definitely know there's a USL two, and, and they have more than than cool. Um, for brief uh, history of the Steel Army here, back when we first started. Cleveland City Stars was in the USL in the same league as the Riverhounds. And so 
it was actually the first Steve Army event was an away game to Cleveland. And they were only in our league for a year or two. And then they, I forget if they folded or just or changed leagues. But, you know, it's it's a close rival. We've been looking for a close team to to bounce against for, for a while now. It's not not Loudon. And unfortunately, Loudon's sticking around. Um, so, you know, I, I think I would speak for everybody that we really want Cleveland or, or Cleveland teams that we can, you know, have a, a, a good away day. It's only a couple of hours away. Um, I'm not surprised that MLS next pro is looking at it. Uh, the, the owner of the Columbus crew are out of Cleveland. I think they're the Browns owners too. Yeah. Um, so, and they were, so at least some representatives from them were involved in these meetings. Um, interestingly, it was like, them uh, cleveland state university which that's where the cleveland city starts just to play at this the cleveland state university stadium in the middle or not in the middle but right downtown cleveland um and then there's also like some cleveland tourism stuff it, it seems like it's quite the hodgepodge or the, the the melting pot of everybody in cleveland that would benefit from a stadium they mentioned that they're looking to bring a pro men's and women's team um as like goal number one and goal number two is a a uh world-class multi-use stadium so i think that's probably where cleveland state comes into play they probably want a new stadium and then the other tourism people probably want like a music venue out of this and stuff too so i'm not surprised mls next pro is looking at it uh they are going to entertain usl as well and then apparently end nwsl um, I think USL probably gives them the better package since they're really focusing on like these multi-use stadium developments in other places like Spokane and Portland, Maine and stuff. Um, you know, if, if they're looking for like a concert venue and a new stadium for their local university and stuff, it seems like we the USL would provide or have you know, the ability to, to, to provide good like case studies and stuff like that. Whereas MLS is just like probably just providing money and, and, and names. Um, we'll see. I, I feel like they'd be crazy to go to MLS because you know, I don't know what they're trying to sell them, but from like a soccer perspective, your only local rival then is Crew 2, which nobody really cares about, and Rochester, which it seems like nobody really cares about, where you could have in the USL, and I'm assuming they'd be championship because I think Cleveland's too big for anything other than that. You would have Detroit and us um, about equal distance and and just you know that's just I, I from a soccer fan perspective i see that's a, a much better draw so you know worrying that we're all fighting over the same markets um so far it's been kind of tit for tat where usl came out in spokane and won that and la seems like they're going that direction but we lost uh huntsville so i guess we'll see you know wouldn't be a war if it was all wouldn't be a soccer war if it wasn't all one-sided. It's going to be uh, back and forth, it seems. Yeah, how much concern do you have uh, completely from the outside? Just hearing about this, that Cleveland could uh, go the other way and, and be what I will just, I will assume is just the lure of the MLS brand name. And then are, could they possibly even be trying to sell them on the, hey, start with a D3 team and maybe just maybe there might be an opening for you in MLS proper. Like 
they couldn't I, sell that that pipe dream at all. So is it just the the, the brand recognition that you know uh, city county leaders would they they hear MLS they know what that means and and USL doesn't mean anything to them or uh, there yeah there's th- there's three issues I see as I'm as I read this article this week um, about how I think MLS might be able to uh, take the lead foot on here. MLS Next Pro has the MLS branding. And while if you or I were leading this charge in Cleveland, we would know pretty well that MLS Next Pro being here doesn't mean MLS is giving Cleveland a second thought about a potential like actual first division team. But to people who might be in charge of this and might not like have any bigger care about soccer in the United States or their city, aside from, you know, let's hope to make money here. They might see that as a potential jump leaping off point. They're also MLS has also got there first. MLS has had their meeting with USL. And I think I would have thought given how much we know that USL has wanted to go to Cleveland for a couple of years, the fact that it seems like MLS kind of got there first, like this article in the Cleveland scene newspaper, whatever it is, is about the MLS next pro side uh, is a little bit troubling. Kind of makes it seem like they are going to be playing off their back foot here a little bit. Um, The other big thing is they talk a lot about the NWSL and they want to be the first division of professional soccer here in the country. And even the people who know what they're doing in Cleveland know it's not going to be through MLS, but NWSL that only has like 12 teams or so. Well, that's very, very realistic to move with NWSL. And as far as I can remember, there's only one USL team that has a NWSL team and that's Louisville. And that's basically because they got their act together so quickly. They kind of were able to field a professional women's side before USL even had a league together. I don't know how often we're going to see that crossover of a USL men's side, but the NWSL women's side. And that the last, last point, thing, oh, sorry, go on. The last thing is, is that neither of the teams that have amateur teams in the national leagues in Cleveland, Cleveland Force and Cleveland SC, uh, who played in the Open Cup this year, do not seem to be involved based on this article. That's not great. All right, I'm done. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I that the, my biggest part, my concern about them potentially going the MLS route is the NWSL issue. And Louisville is the exception because they got their women's program going before USL at least publicly spoke about a W League or, or their Super League. Does it feel like you have to go one way or the other where you, if they want both a professional men, men's and women's team, they have to go MLS slash um, well, MLS Next Pro slash NWSL, or you're going to go USL because they provide both a men's and women's league. Is there, is there still is there enough room in the sandbox USL wise that one ownership group can at this time start a USL team and push for NWSL for the women's side, or would they basically be get get cornered into having to go USL? Uh, for both the men's and the women's, because if that's the case, that might work against 
USL to Cleveland as opposed to still having free reign of USL is the better option for their potential men's side, but NWSL is the better option on their women's side. And that is what concerns me about all this, is me feeling like they're handcuffed to be USL on both the men's and women's side. Somebody would have to know better than I had how much the MLS and NWSL front offices uh, interlink. Um, I know the individual teams, a lot of them are MLS heavy, but I don't know about the actual center front office of the league itself. That might be a big factor, but I, I don't know how much crossover there is. I can't see NWSL going to Cleveland on its own. Like they've they're they've been really going for kind of you know the, the sexy cities the biggest name stuff and and cleveland's just not that anymore um it, and um how'd you lost my train of thought um so yeah like i i just i don't see them going to to cleveland like they they're got utah coming back in apparently uh in the near future and i i thought that there were some boston rumors of them coming back so I, I just I don't really see it happening. I'm sure NWSL doesn't like tying themselves to MLS so much. I'm, I'm sure they prefer being more independent. But if you are going to tie yourself to MLS, like why would you want to be tied to MLS next pro franchise when you got Cincinnati and Columbus, which are probably better markets for the NWSL? Um, so like I I I feel like that's shooting for the stars and and the league would be dumb not to entertain the idea you know get a free dinner out of it at least but i just i just don't see it so if they are really wanting to push for a women's team i feel like the usl is like their best option um and and maybe the usl also since they're they're trying to launch these new leagues maybe they they have a sweetheart deal of you get a championship team and a W team or a Super League team will will cut you a expansion fee discount. Um, I know they did that in the past with when they tried briefly to launch the that USL U twenty three team that the Hounds did. Apparently, like teams like the Hounds didn't have to pay much to, to start their team or like for, as far as expansion fees go. Um, so I guess it just depends on what the priorities are. But uh, again, you know, if you want both men's and women's, I feel like the USL has got the better package. If you don't, if you can get past the division um, numbers, and if you're looking for a mixed-use stadium development, again, we the USL has these case studies now in a couple of places that are actually got the shovels in the ground and are building stuff now. So I, I, I just, other than the name, like yeah, can be act mentioned for if you don't know any better, like I don't know what MLS really brings to the market. Yeah, I. But certainly something to uh, to watch. Although, uh, based on previous Cleveland uh, pro soccer stories, we might have to wait another three years before we hear anything else again. Because uh, that's how that cycle has gone in the past. And um, maybe this time will be different. Maybe it will not be. Uh, moving on to some Steel Army news. Um... Not much lately. Uh, Loudon, the ticket link is up. It is in our Discord. 
There should be a dispatch going out with it soon. Um, I'm going to get out on the on the Twitters here soon. Uh, maybe tomorrow I'll try to get that out there. Uh, it should be a decent little going out to going out to Loudon again. That's the the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. So for a lot of you, uh, hopefully no work the following day. So you could make a, a proper day of uh, going out to Loudon. Although it sounds like most people are going to do out and back. I was leaning toward the hotel, but uh, if I'm going to be in the minority there, I might not. Uh, I might do the, the out and back as well. Um, yeah. Would expect to also be going out and back, but we'll see what my people kind of want to do. We've ex- we're, we're taking at least two cars, my gang of misfits at least. So that's that's cool. I've hardly ever got any of my friends to go on road trips. I'm glad some of them are excited about this i was talking to a, a person who i've known has gone to hounds games before and he randomly asked me the other day if he w- if i was going to loudon and i said most likely he said well we're thinking about going me and some some buddies uh so there might be a, a and these are people that do not when they go to the hounds games they don't sit in the steel army section uh but they might be going to loudon and, and uh be ready to party with us out there so that'd be That'd be a weird place to, uh, to get people who have gone to Hounds games but the first time sit with the with the Army being being in a way day, but that very well may happen. Um, Sent him the link to those tickets uh, a couple hours ago. It's so wild to think that the most amount of people we've gotten to an away day over the last, basically since Harrisburg folded, was too loud and during the pandemic. During the pandemic, so we could proudly watch the entire... Uh, Riverhound's career of Tony Walls. <laughs> we had a decent number in Detroit this year, but it wasn't as much as Loudon. I didn't go to Loudon, so I, didn't, I don't have a, that. Reference. Yeah, I think the Loudon was probably yeah. was probably a bigger draw. It was it was more than thirty, which again, like during August or whenever the hell we played that game, was kind of wild to think about when Highmark Stadium was mostly closed to the public. I saw just it was. I think the the case numbers were at a point that people felt comfortable going, and it was one of the, the few away days where you could you could get tickets to get into. So it just kind of lined up well. And then on the reverse, the, the Detroit game came so early in the year uh, that I don't think people had enough time to to pivot into going out there. Uh, hopefully, Detroit next year is is a, more like summery. A, a mid to late summer type of match. That'd be. And then obviously not not a Wednesday. Obviously USL, obviously. <sighs> yeah. But moving on from that, gentlemen, uh, the Hounds on the road down to uh, Kennesaw State University's uh, football field, uh, playing Hot Atlanta too. Um, again, one of the poor teams. Uh, they were second worst in the East. Um, I think still are. Uh, best thing I, I remember about uh, Atlanta, uh, they've been not great. And a few weeks ago, they uh, transferred out their best player, that of course being Robbie Mertz. So now uh, for the return fixture, Robbie's going to be with the good guys. Um, been a busy week, so I have not had a great time to properly scout out what Atlanta's done, especially in the weeks since uh, since Robbie's left them and come come back to the to the four one two. 
Vesti, any any thoughts on on this Saturday? Again, a seven thirty kickoff, not a seven o'clock. I don't really think much about Atlanta. Like I don't think much about New York, and I hope it doesn't bite me in the ass this time. Right. Although I always think uh, on the 2020, uh, 2019 run when the Hounds looked a little like they were scuffling, it was the trip down to down to Atlanta, which um, became the the turning point on the season and rode that all the way to a Eastern Conference title. So. Um, I generally have fond memories of the Hounds down in Atlanta. Yak, what are you thinking? Um, I, I try to do research on the opposing team as much as possible to see who's dangerous. I really just didn't care because, A, I was upset. B, Atlanta's so awful it really shouldn't freaking matter. Um, they're the worst team in the league in terms of shots allowed, goals allowed, uh, expected goal differential. Uh, their goalkeeper's really bad. Um, like they're just every metric, especially defensively, just sucks. Like we should really beat them by like four, but we shall see, won't we? So, where, what what percentage chance are you, are you giving us to all three of us look like real jackasses about nine thirty on Saturday night? I look like a jackass every hour of every night, so that's not a fair question. <laughs> all right, and for the R two, um, fine then, uh, Vesti. What? How bad can we potentially look? Um, Sunday or Saturday night. I, if I do not see a party partying Hoff on the Twitters, um, I'm going to be extremely upset. So I'm going to be optimistic and say we're not going to make the same mistake twice in a row. Are we calling this? We'll are fine. we calling this a must win? Must win, right? I mean, when we were saying we were going to get 12 points out of four games or whatever, it seemed like we were saying all these are must-win. No, I think we were saying that they were going to win. I didn't well, think that as must-win. I thought that I took that as just we're, they're going to win. Is this a must-win? Well, yeah, playing against Atlanta is a must-win because you don't get points off of them. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, because this is a must-win? Yeah. All right. So if it's a must-win, there should be no rotation, correct? I mean, we were always saying the rotation wasn't that much of an issue, right? Or at least I was, so I don't, I don't really care about the rotation. I think we our roster can get results. At least, I guess, Atlanta, anyways. Beautiful. You can rotate. Especially since they play three games in eight days next week. Like, yeah, you can rotate, and you should still clobber them. Really switch it up and put Vostick back in. Yes! That'd make, yeah, yes. that'd make me happy. I... <laughs> Vosvik has become the backup quarterback of of Hounds goalkeepers. Um, no one knows what he did to 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 put himself on a milk carton, but the dude the dude is two for two uh, in starts for the for the Hounds, and um, he's now MIA. So I'd I'd love to see that. So um, with that said, let's uh, let's. Get us a little bit closer to getting out the door here. Uh, it's time for the everyone's favorite segment of the week. Um, the uh, the good old Wednesday wager wagon. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll at least say, uh, since I'm on the late game, I got San Diego somehow only uh, minus 140 at home. Uh, I got them winning. I'm, I'm so confident I'm taking all three units. Um, 
Serena was with me on two units for the the Tulsa or for the San Diego win. Uh, one on Tulsa to win. Last I checked, that didn't look like it was very good. Vesti, your groan is final. Yeah, your groan told me that's not good at all, is it? No, that game is final. I had two on Tulsa to win. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Like uh, I said earlier, they're shitting the bed when it matters. They're not making the playoffs. Logan had uh, over a half goal in the first half of Tulsa Hartford. I believe that was good. He hit the under. Oh, he hit Deb the under. So that's bad. Whew, yeah, whew. we all suck this. Week. Oh, he even put the womp womp there. And I didn't even see. Wow, this is the best segment of the show. I love it. Uh, Yak had Tulsa Hartford under three. I believe what was that? A two nothing final. 2-1, it's pushed. Oh, all right. Uh, Tulsa win, that's a, a loss. And San Diego going over three and a half goals at plus 132. That's a little that's a little, little excitement, a little uh, ambitious there. But we will see. Uh, let me get back on today on the, uh, on the old scoreboard. Oh, we've already started that game. San Diego's already up 1-0. Because it's already... 10.20 at night. Um, I'm have a great day at work tomorrow, guys. Great day at work tomorrow. Yay. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's get this thing a little bit closer to being done. Yak, yeah, uh, any final thoughts? Any, uh, anything you want to say that you learned today? Um, my, my local Aldi had ginger beer today when I shopped, so I learned that and made myself a fine Moscow mule for this evening's podcast. Aldi, sounds, Aldi sells beer? Ginger beer. Oh, non-alcoholic. Yeah. Oh. So, Mules, which is my favorite cocktail. Was it uh, Aldi brand ginger beer or is it a different one? Uh, it's not in front of me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. Vesti, final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm I'm frazzled. Ready to go to bed. Okay. Uh, I learned that somehow, some way, there's a possibility that there might be a a roof over the seating at Highmark Stadium sometime in the distant future. And I would have given that a f- fucking 0% chance of that ever happening. So that's exciting. It is. That's a cop out that the one guy who didn't listen to the interview gets to say that he, that's what he learned. I, well, I did learn it because you told me. <laughs> I legitimately learned I, that. live. I learned it before you then. You did. I just I learned about it on the podcast. So thank you for sharing that, and I'm. I wish I could have seen your face when uh, when you found out that there was like there was some sort of light at the end of the, of the tunnel of of a roof over the seating. Because that must there have, was a fist pump. Did he bring up uh, uh, just the drug cell a little bit longer? He didn't bring up safe standing at all, did he? No. Okay. Because nope. I feared any sort of expansion would then come with safe standing, so I'll just have to work that into the into the conversation going forward. Um, try to wheel that into existence uh, with a pistol under the uh, seating and a roof. A pistol underneath us, a roof above us as we stand. What more could we need? Hey, I feel like we willed the, the backless like bleachers into existence, so I, I think we have a good good record to get, get safe standing. I mean, would that be the would that be the, is that the dream? Safe standing, pistols below, roof above, goals in front. Die happy. In our minds. Yeah. 
something to think about going forward. Something to think about, hope about, dream about. We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorak. Email the show at steelarmypgh at gmail.com and put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. I need to double check. He's still uh, he's still employed there. It's been a while. I've, yeah. I haven't heard that he's not there, but probably worth double checking. On behalf of Yak and Vesti, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.